All right, let's read out of Genesis chapter 12. Uh, We often stand in honor of God's word. I think this is a good morning to do that. If you could stand with me, we'll be on the screen behind me. Here it is. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. All right, if you could take your seat. All right, I want to just pull from this text just a couple of things about navigating change. And it's obvious that a text like this is one we might turn to on a Sunday like this when we're about to go into change together. Um, Abraham, we call him like the father of our faith. Um, God appeared to him and made some great promises to him. And over hundreds and hundreds of years, it was Abram's family that God worked in and through And eventually, in the lineage of Abram's family, came Jesus, the Messiah, who we sang about and worshipped this morning. And so this is a key part of, like, the beginning of the story. Like, God is calling out from all the peoples a person, and he is going to use this person and his family in a special way, and God gives promises to him, and the story plays out from there. Um, I was thinking about Abram some recently because my life has actually been filled with a lot of change on a personal level recently. We're going through it as a church, but this is one thing I've noticed just how God often works with me. Whatever we're going through as a family on mission, many times God is doing something similar in my personal life. And I think it helps uh, develop me as a leader. I think it's how, how God works with me sometimes, so I'm in the right emotional space as a leader. And so... While we've been doing all this campus multiplication, my wife and I moved this summer, just three doors down. The similarities are crazy, you know? We didn't move far, but we moved. You know what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff. Um, and so we moved into the new house. Now, now let me be clear. This is all good. Um, I'm so excited. We love our new house, and we are thrilled that Devontae and Kiara have moved into our old one, and we are still owning that house. We're so glad for how all of this has played out, and we can see God's hand on it. And yet, the last day I was working in the house before we handed the key to Devontae and Kiara, um, I'm walking around this empty house, and how do you think I felt? I started to feel this sadness, right? These tears started to well up in my eyes. Why? Well, because my oldest son, Levi, who is now 10, (laughs) Um, he was 10 months old when we moved into that house you know Um, Jade my daughter that's the only house she lived in up until the point when we moved and then our surprise Isla who's two years old now it occurred to me she's never really going to remember 
living in that house because she's only two. So there's going to be two siblings who remember a lot about it and one who remembers very little, you know? Not only that, but I just thought about all the things that God did in me and Chelsea's marriage in that period of time, all the ways that were different. I really came into my freedom and my deliverance as a leader while we lived in that house. Um, people, some of you, when Chelsea and I were at some of our lowest points, some of you came and met with us at that house and let us cry to you and let us be frustrated to you. Um, you know, we've had some like big moments in that place. And so all of this is good, but there's a sadness that comes with change, no matter how good it is. And I want you to know, that if that's kind of how you feel about this second campus, it's okay. And the barometer of your spirituality is not just like how excited you are or something about this second campus, because change isn't always that way. Sometimes it comes with sadness, even when we're not expecting it. And it's okay to feel that way. And it's okay to own it. As a matter of fact, I think we got to be intentional with that pain, and here's why. Because as soon as we start talking about pain, we have to realize that pain is so productive in our lives that both God and our spiritual enemy, the devil, have their eyes on it. <laughs> because it can be used in very different ways. Seven weeks is a long time to take a break from preaching. I'm so glad to be back here. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just like, okay. Uh, so, so, yeah, you know, pain is so productive. It has the potential to have very different outcomes. The enemy's interested in it because, as you've heard us say before, if you've spent any time with us, he loves to interpret the meaning of that pain for us. And he will often interpret it to mean something untrue about God's character or about our identity, right? God isn't trustworthy. He's forgotten about you or you're a piece of garbage, and that's why this is happening. We've all heard that, right? But when God gets a hold of our tears, when God gets a hold of our pain, he can do the most valuable, precious things with it. And so maybe the kind of change we're talking about today, the kind of change that, that is good change, that we have a sense that God is calling us, the kind of change that Abram is going through, this isn't like tragedy. This is God calling him to something. You know, maybe the pain of that isn't as intense as other kinds of pain or grief or loss that we go through. But any kind of pain, there is a battle over. We must choose to enter that intentionally and decide who is going to get our pain, who's going to interpret our pain, what's going to happen with our pain, because our pain is valuable. So let's talk about how Abram navigates this. How does he navigate this change, this journey of pain? Well, first of all, notice he leans into the change. And I would say when we lean into the change, we should grieve it. Now, listen, there's not a lot in the passage, and I don't want to stretch the passage this morning. There's not a lot in the passage about Abram's response to the changes that he went through. But here's the deal. A God who he did not know appeared to him and said, leave everything and go to a land you do not know. Right? <laughs> there are very few of us who will ever go through that much change and uncertainty in life. We can at least Google the land we do not know before we go to it, right? Like TripAdvisor that place, right, before you get there. He, he has nothing. A God he does not know says, leave everything and go to a land you do not know. 
And I don't know what happened in his, you know, emotional and psychological state, spiritual state, but Abram responded to this in faith and went. And yeah, he took a lot of his things and his people with him. We are too in this change. Um, nonetheless, he left everything he knew. And there, I promise you, there is always a kind of grieving with that kind of change. There has to be, any kind of change we go through, there is going to be a grief process. The question is not, is the grief going to happen? The question is, are we going to let that be something productive in our lives? And the first step in letting it be productive is actually grieving the grief, is actually naming it, because a lot of us are stuffers. A lot of us just love to not acknowledge it, you know, just to push it away, just to, but if you have ever encountered grief, well, then you know that you can't run from it. Um, it will pop out. I had someone just call me this weekend. They started weeping hard over something that happened years ago and that they thought they had already grieved. And then there's fresh tears all of a sudden. And if you've really grieved something, you know that that's the journey of grief. And it's okay if after this change that we go through as a church, if you look back on the good old days of mustard pews and, you know, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. Um, because I think entering the process is where God can do his work. So first, we lean into the change and we grieve it. But secondly, we hear God's promise and then we build on it. God promised something to Abram. I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. This is just like God, by the way. He always, many times he will not give you the exact details, but he will make promises coming out of his character to you. Um, I will bless you. Nations are going to come from you and be blessed through you. I'm going to make you great. He says these things. I don't know if any of you have ever felt this way, but sometimes when I hear God's promises, it makes me like scared. It's like me, I'm going to be great. But God speaks these promises to Abram. And you know what Abram does, friends? He just believes it. I was reflecting on Abram and his story just a couple of years ago. It was winter, I remember. And it just occurred to me, have you ever thought about this? How little revelation Abram actually had. This is a man who does not have a church to go and attend to, to hear a sermon about God and his character. He doesn't have a Bible. There's no written word for him to turn to with accompanying devotional materials to help you. He doesn't have any of that. He doesn't live his life in a spirit-filled community of people who operate in prophetic gifts, so you might get a word from the Lord. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't get any of that, right? What does he have? He has the stars. He has the creation. And we know that he looked at those stars and heard God's voice. He has that. Um, and he has these few times, and as far as we know, over the course of his whole life, it's only a few times that he experienced God's presence in a manifest way and God spoke to him. It's very little. You know what, as I was reflecting on this, you know, I heard, it felt like I heard the Lord say to me a couple years ago, he said, Joel, Abraham had so little, and he just believed what I said. And it was like I heard the Lord say to me, you have so much revelation, and you're still asking me to repeat myself. 
You have so much. I've already said it. And you want me to say it again. And you want me to get it confirmed again. And you want me to. I already said it. I already said the promise. Your job is just to believe it. To believe it. Guys, so much of what God is asking us to do is just to believe what he said. And so what do we do in the midst of change? We might not understand all the plans or predict all the outcomes. And we can't right now as a church. I can't predict the outcome of this second campus. I I can't predict the outcomes of the change that's happening in your life. But what I can proclaim to you is the goodness of God and how sure his promises are and that you can build your life on those promises. I can say that to you. You can trust him. And so we now have this whole book, this whole Bible of promises. Build your life on it. In the midst of the change, find his promises and stand on those. Or the things that were spoken to you by the Holy Spirit based off of those promises. We're in this season of change, and I can tell you, I come into this room, and I repeat back to God the promises that he has spoken over this church that I've heard. I remember we were praying on Sunday night in this room. I remember years ago praying in this sanctuary, and I was standing right about here. I felt like I just heard the Lord say to me, I intend to make this a house of healing. That's a promise that fits with the word of God. It's true to his character. So I'm going to stand on it until I see it come to fullness in our church. Um, Doug Conkle, he's a missionaries, he and his wife, Karen, served in West Africa for many, many years. They were sent from this church, ministry residents. They were sent from this church in the 70s. And uh, we ran into him at a convention, I forget where we were, in another city, and he started praying over us. That's why I love that there's some rain today. He said, as I pray over Cresma, all I see is rain, rain, rain. He said, I just see rain overflowing the gutters. He said, the promises of God are so rich for this church, and he said, it is going to be a sending place, a place that sends people to the nations again. That fits with God's word, I'm receiving it, right? And I'm standing on it. And when it feels dry, God promised rain, right? When we're not seeing healing, God promised it, right? So we stand on it. It's true for us in our personal lives, too. My phone is filled with things that people have prayed over me, And sometimes I think, oh, that's so crazy that someone would pray that over me, but I stand on it. If it fits with God's character and with his word, I'm standing on it. So in the midst of the change, we find God's promise. You might not find the specifics of the plan, but you find his promise, and you stand on that. Next, in the midst of the change, we receive God's blessing, and then we give it. This is what God says to Abraham. I'm going to bless you far greater than you could ever imagine. I'm going to bless you in the midst of this change. Now, whether we believe that or not says everything about what we think about God's character. Is he out to get us? Is he out to harm us? Or is his disposition to bless us, even in the midst of hardship? Is that what comes most naturally to his heart, is to bless us again and again and again in the midst of the change? And so he tells Abraham, you will be blessed, but why? so that you will bless other people. And see, this is a turning point in our emotional capacity to be able to handle change, and here's why. Because if all we do is look at what we had and now look at what we don't have after the change, it will create discontentment and bitterness in our hearts. But if we look at what we lost and grieve it, and then we ask the question, what new blessings is God giving in the midst of this? Some of those blessings may not replace the blessings you lost, but they are still blessings. 
from God, and you can still receive them in that place. But if you really want to change your emotional capacity for change, then don't just ask what new blessings, what new opportunities are in this change, but ask how, what is God pouring into my life so that I can pour out into the lives of other people. And see, that's what this change is about. Friends, can I just say it just really bluntly? If we were just out for ourselves as a church, if we were just adopting commonly accepted church growth methodology and practice, and I don't mean to like throw that all under the bus, but I'm just saying, if we were doing what the textbooks say, we would not be multiplying a second service and it wouldn't be on Franklin Avenue. But we're not out there just to do the textbook thing, are we? Um, we are asking the question, what is God saying to us? And what are we going to do about it? And even if we grieve things that we might never regain in this change, what new blessings, what new opportunities are coming our way that wouldn't have been there otherwise? And then the real question is not just how many of these blessings can we accumulate, but how much of it we can give away. And this is when our attitude begins to change in the midst of the pain. Because now we're not thinking about ourselves. We're beginning to think about other people. And then, lastly, and I actually stopped reading earlier than I want to, but let me make this point. In the midst of the change, we find God's presence, and we worship there. Abram goes to this tree that's mentioned in the text, and granted, these big trees, it was probably a huge, notable tree, were places that ancient people expected to, you know, um, encounter whatever deity they were worshiping in some kind of way. But Abram goes to this place, and God appears to him there. Now think about this. Abram's not in a church. I'm going to wrap up with this. He's not in a church. Yeah, if you could play, that'd be great. He's not in a church. He's not um, even among his own people. He is in the midst of pagan Canaan land now. People who are worshiping other gods. People who are worshiping idols, living in all kinds of different ways in this, and he is a foreigner. He doesn't own any land, but now he's traveling across this land and God's telling him that he's going to have it. I mean, it's just a crazy place. So how does he make it through? Well, here's the real answer. He finds God's presence. I have a book on my shelf written by an Old Testament scholar who actually does not consider himself a believer at all in God or what the Bible actually teaches. He's just a student of ancient Near East history. And he makes this point. He says, this right here in Genesis 12 marks a radical change in the development of world religions. Because he says, never before was there a religious system that actually put the living, moving, speaking presence of their God at the center of what they did. You know why? It's because all those other gods weren't actually a thing. But this is the living God. And he puts himself, his voice, his, its relationship, his interaction at the center of his people. And friends, this has always been the distinction of God's people. Not our buildings, not our budgets, but God's presence in the midst of us. That's our inheritance. That's what we gather around. Yeah, traditions are great, and, and they help form community, and we should celebrate them when they're good and nurturing and when they cultivate holy things in us. But ultimately, we don't center around those things. We center around God and his presence. Now listen, I know some of this change is challenging 
And there's going to be things to grieve. But I want you to know, many of you are pretty new to our church, which we love, by the way. Um, But you should know, there's some people sitting here today. I see Eunice and Ruth back there and Bob. Some of them have been part of our church for decades. And honestly, it's hard to even wrap our minds around the kind of change that they've seen. Um, Our church was worshiping in a completely different location on Irwin Street and Murata Road and Aliquippa and Plan 12. All of the pastors that they've seen come and go, the different vision. They've seen so many different things. But you know what? They've told me that what they recognize here is God's presence among us. And friends, that is always what this church was formed around. We have that in our history. We're not letting that go. Some things may change, but for the last 102 years, we have gathered around God's presence. And we're going to keep gathering around his presence. At this point, I've been overseas, you know, to Nepal and Sri Lanka and India and Mexico. And even if you're, you know, going to a place just temporarily, there's kind of a disorientation that happens. Senegal, when you step into a new culture. And you know what, you know what I have found in each of those very different cultures that feels like home? The presence of God. And so there's going to be some things that feel very different here, but here's my challenge to you. Find his presence. Even if you're in a new sanctuary, even if, you know, things have changed, even if you're singing a new song or we're doing things different, find his presence. Even the carpet has changed. Find his presence. Find his presence, right? Because that's what we gather around. And this is when the breakthrough comes in the midst of the pain Because now we're thinking about the blessings that God is pouring into us for other people. And we are allowing that pain to turn into gratefulness, to turn into worship. Listen, yeah, there's a kind of sadness that comes from moving out of our house. But you know what that pain turned into into, uh, as I was in there cleaning out and finishing up? Just gratefulness. God, you've done so much. God, you've blessed us in so many ways, and I might not live in this place anymore, but your presence met us here. It's going to meet us at the next house, too. Your presence is not going to be withdrawn from my family just because we're living in a new place, and I can find your, your presence is what's home, not my physical address. Your presence is what's home. And friends, I can tell you, God is so good, his presence isn't going anywhere. Whatever, here's how good he is. Even if we are dead wrong about this decision... And maybe we are. (laughs) His presence is not going to leave us. And you know what? No matter matter what happens from here, as long as we're worshiping him, I'm good, right? As long as we're encountering him, as long as I get to do it with you, I'm good, all right? Okay, I'm feeling really emotional. Let's, um, we haven't done this in years. I know service is late. We're going to be okay. We haven't done this in years. Um, You don't have to participate, um, but I would love for us to just make a circle around this room, all right? So can we do that? Can we just get up and get into a big circle? Oh, and if you're a prayer minister today, can you, like, come up this way? Because we are going to offer prayer. Spread out, spread out.
Okay. Whether you've been in our circle before or this is your first time in our circle, you belong here. Because families on mission go and grow. And there's always room at the table for more sons and daughters, right? So just look at each other. Different gifts. God uses us in different ways, different stories. Um, We still get to be with each other. Um, You know, if you read the book of Acts, we're going to start preaching in Acts again next week. But there is a pain that is recorded in the book of Acts for us. I love how honest the Bible is. A pain that is recorded, tears shared between friends and leaders when God leads some of them to go out and to do the next thing. Um, Some of you next Sunday will be worshiping at 1130 on Franklin Avenue. Some of you at 10 o'clock here. We're going to see each other at the church picnic, so we're going to be okay. (laughs) We're still going to see each other at the church picnic. But... Uh, Nonetheless, um, I love how honest the Bible is. But whatever tears we shed in multiplying, whatever tears we we shed in sending, um, God promises to reward us, you know, for it, for all of those tears that are shed. I really think a lot of churches don't really adopt multiplication as part of their value because it's just too painful. Um, But we're saying, Jesus, you endured the cross for us. No one went through more pain than you did. No one went through more change than Jesus did. So we can follow him and we can trust him because he forged a way for us and he did it right. You know, we might not always do it right, but he did it right. And so we can follow him right in the midst of that change.